Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Gol, 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 Hello amigos, welcome to La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host Matt Clark. I'm joined by Senor Paco Pollitt. Spain have qualified for Euro 2024 after two wins in this international break. Good evening Paco, how are you doing? Uh, very well, obviously very happy for uh, Spain's uh, you know, success in, in that uh, qualifying for such a massive event as the Euro 2024 and I think that the way they have done it uh, speaks uh, pretty well about the change of pace in the in the managerial aspect of of things I think that Luis de la Fuente did, did have a you know a tough challenge ahead of him when he was appointed and you know this point uh, if we were in in high school we would say that he has passed with with flying colors with plenty of games uh, with uh, Spain keeping a clean sheet, uh, you know, being qualified with uh, a couple of games to go. So, yeah, overall, quite uh, happy for the way Spain have reacted in, in the last couple of games and, and these two consecutive wins in the during the international break. Yeah, indeed. And it all kicked off in Seville at La Cartuja. And our man Rory Barlow was present in the stadium to see that game. And he sent us a voice note giving his thoughts on a game which was obviously very close to his heart, being a Scotsman living in Spain. Here's what he thought. Spain, Scotland at La Cartuja in Sevilla. It's hard to know where to start with this one. Luis de la Fuente said before the match that he thought Spain were much better than when these two sides met at Hamden in Scotland. And he said that Scotland was were better too, but... The reverse result happened here, and to be honest, I saw a pretty similar game. If you ask me for the best part of an hour where exactly Spain's goal was coming from, where exactly they were going to win this game, I couldn't have really told you, because although they did create half chances, and they did do some good things, Miguel Merino hit the inside of the post, he came very close and was perhaps unlucky not to give Spain the lead. Scotland were relatively comfortable defending this Spain side and when McTominay's goal goes in, 
the game seemed like it swung one way and for reasons that remain far from clear and obvious it swung the other way emotionally Spain took a massive boost from this but more accurately Scotland were not the same side after that and I thought it was the Spain side that was revolutionised by Brian Tharagotha who played very well he was very creative, very daring, very bold and he gave Scotland headaches there were some good individual performances in there for the Spain side but the use of the fullbacks, Danny Carvajal and Alejandro Balde remained relatively flat in the first half and then when they were replaced it was still somewhat flat it has to be said from them they they were kind of around the same level as Rodri and being used to distribute this ball in as kind of safety latches for the Spain side as opposed to attacking threats I thought they tried to move inside and, and create danger for a Scotland side that had patched the middle really and Ferran Torres, Alvaro Marata Oyatala didn't have too much joy and without a Pedri without a Brian Zaragoza or, or even a Lamine Yamal or one of those kind of Wingers that unbalances teams, that stretches teams, that causes defences to, to reshuffle and rethink. It's still Spain side that you look at the, the way they've gone out of the last two World Cups against Morocco and Russia, both on penalties, both in nil-nil draws where they've been snuffed out. I don't see a Spain side that's necessarily cut out to beat that Morocco side any more than it was this time last year. I think Spain are a bit more confident. They looked more coherent in defence, it has to be said. They they were not caused as many problems by Scotland, who I think were less daring away from home, it has to be said as well. Steve Clark is still just trying to touch on that balance between attack and defence against those big sides. But, but yeah, De La Fuente's been very clear to the media and very public about the fact that he doesn't really deal well with the media, that he doesn't it's not part of his job, he's more of a football man, a training ground man and clearly some of the Spain side do have a lot of faith in De La Fuente but you also need a bit of charisma to be a manager and you also need a bit about you, a bit of character, maybe behind closed doors he is that different character, maybe he is an entirely different person to what we see publicly but I'm looking at the Spain side that were very much reliant on kind of the cult of personality of Luis Enrique before this. I don't see vast football improvements in terms of De La Fuente. Is this a guy that the Spain side will go amuerte to death to the death with? I'm not entirely sure. So I think we're still left with a Spain that have questions to answer even if they did get the win, and Elefante won't be too disappointed with how this game turned out. So there we go. That was Rory's thoughts on the Spain-Scotland game. 2-0 it finished. Uh, of course, there was a lot of talk going into the game about the reverse fixture, the way that Scotland had trampled all over Spain at Hampden Park, and, and Rodri came out and made those comments, which uh, made the Scots uh, laugh quite a lot about uh, what they saw as him kind of you know crying and... and whinging about the, the tactics. So there was a lot of talk pre-game. Uh, Luis de la Fuente said, this is not about revenge. We just want to play a good match. Um, and by and large, Spain did that, didn't they, Paco? But 
yeah, I mean, overall, they, they did play a good game. Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, against uh, Scotland, Spain had possibly the toughest nut to crack of the of the group, um, especially for the way the Scottish were able to, to defend throughout the game. And if you check out the stats, uh, you could see that the, the, the domination of the of the of the whole 90 minutes where was on was in space side you know 75 percent ball possession plenty of uh, shots on target um overall dominance for for spain but you know it was very very tough to be able to sleep through through the cracks uh, in the scottish defense i think that they they had a very very notable uh, job being done uh, at the back and and yeah i think that uh, Spain was uh, expected to, you know, uh, uh, wing it in in some sense during the second half because during the first one, it didn't, their their usual uh, arguments didn't didn't actually work, um, and that was the point when uh, Jesus Navas started became becoming uh, relevant for for the squad. You know, uh, in the second half, Luis de la Fuente decided to switch a bit and and leave a bit of more freedom for Jesus Navas, and uh, in that, uh, as a consequence, he had more chances of of crossing the ball into the box, and that was actually the origin of the of the of the first goal for for Morata. So overall, I think that um, de la Fuente has been able to show that uh, regardless of the quality that Spain have uh, in most of their positions he also knows how to actually shift gears and, and and shift the momentum of a game with tactical decisions and you actually don't see that that so often in in during international breaks because everyone knows that uh, in, international squads often play in a more disjointed way because they don't have the the the, the chances to to train together to play together as as much as um, mo most of the players have throughout the season with their own team so in in that sense i think that uh, spain were able to finally uh, you know beat uh, Scotland's defense with that Morata opener and and later Sunset was in charge of of scoring the second one so overall very very tricky game to win and we actually have to deliver uh, I would say um, a bit more merit onto that win against Scotland because it's in my view a much stronger uh, enemy in this case or opposition that what we did see for example tonight against uh, Norway Yes, we'll get on to the, the Norway game in, in part two. But back on the, the Scotland game, uh, the game did turn on that controversial disallowed goal for Scott McTominay. Uh, yeah. It was a free kick. It was a, a direct shot into the goal. Uh, John McGinn was kind of standing near Unai Simon. It was eventually disallowed. The referee went to the monitor. Hmm. It took a long time. We've had a lot of chat about VAR. And I know last week, Paco, we were talking about referees in La Liga, but... On this one in particular, it was a very strange sequence of events. We were chatting in the group chat about what exactly has been this, this disallowed for. Is it a foul? Is it offside? We don't really know. At one point, the referee clearly puts his arm out horizontally as if to indicate a foul, whereas yeah. if it was offside, he would have raised his arm vertically. Um, so in real time, it looked like he, he'd gone with a foul, which would have appeared to have been extremely soft. However, then we're told by UEFA that it was actually offside, in which case you can kind of make a case for that being um, the correct decision. But what was your take on it all? Yeah, it seemed that uh, it was Henry, like the, the player who was 
uh, in that kind of offside position, but also, you know, you could argue that he was uh, the one committing a foul. In my view, this this uh, referee, I believe the Turkish Mr. Gosubuyuk, I believe it's the way it's it's spelled. Um, you know, um, I think it's it's faithful to what most European fan bases are thinking that referees are uh, under feeling the heat deservedly so in every single country and it's not the first time that we speak about this I think that the overall level we've seen plenty of controversies lately in the Premier League obviously with that Tottenham game a few weeks ago and I stated last weekend that uh, the overall level in La Liga might be the lowest of the low uh since this show is going on you know since 2018 in the last five six years this is the worst season so far the first nine games that i've seen uh with you know mind-blowing ref calls massive mistakes wrong use of the of the var tool and i think it's not uh it's not a coincidence you know and, and in this case it benefited spain obviously but uh, I cannot definitely understand the Scottish fans uh, complaining about this this play because uh, in their book it could be easily a a, a legal goal. So uh, yeah, obviously Spain, as I said, were were um, you know benefited by by this call. But overall, this should take us into a, a larger debate maybe about the overall level of refereeing in in uh, in UEFA competitions, especially as and this is what I cannot understand. When you watch Champions League games, 95% of them are beautifully refereed. You know, like, like all of the controversies uh, goes out of the window and, and, and nothing really, uh, you know, happens that, that should be pointed out as, as massive mistakes. Whereas in, in home leagues and, and local leagues, you can definitely see both in, 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 in Britain and in, uh, in Spain, in France, in Portugal, in, in, in Italy, in Germany, you see so big and undeserved calls happening that ultimately what, what, uh, you know, what, they, what they do is angering, uh, getting angry all of the fan bases and, and angering all of the football fans. And I think that overall the, the football authorities should take a deep look into it because it's, as I said earlier, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, Scotland fans pretty uh, perplexed by that one. The commentary team on the on the UK coverage, and uh, and as I say, of course, Rory he sent that voice note after a, a night's sleep. I don't think he uh, sent one straight after the game. Otherwise, you would have detected a lot more anger in his voice there. Um, so yeah, as you say, that that would have been one 0 Scotland. It would have been very hard for Spain to kind of turn that around. Scotland would have had something to hold on to, but the fact that it kind of woke them up did change the game in the fact that they didn't raise their level. As you say, Jesus Navas came on to provide the assist for Alvaro Morata. Uh, Jesus Navas, the oldest player to provide an assist for Spain. Morata's goal-scoring form continues. Um, and then Oyan Sanset on debut, rounding off the 2-0 victory to match that 2-0 uh, that at Hamden. So there were three debutants, Paco. Uh, there was Oyan Sanset, as we say. There was also Fran Garcia and Brian Zaragoza, the first Granada player to play for Spain since 1974. How do you think they, they all did? Well, in, in Fran Garcia's case, uh, I think it was uh, quite the highlight because so far he seems to have, uh, I wouldn't say issues, but he's having a tough time trying to adapt to what uh, Ancelotti asked from him in, in Real Madrid, which is, you know, uh, if you consider how young he is, more or less you could, you could uh, predict it. 
but uh, as Luis de la Fuente obviously knows him much better or for a much longer time than Real Madrid's manager, uh, he just slotted straight him slotted him straight in uh, after the halftime. Whereas for uh, Brian Zaragoza, I think that so far he has been one of the biggest highlights of of La Liga in the first nine games, and and he often you know uh, such a player often deserves this kind of spotlight in the in these games and. Um, I actually listened to his words after the game, you know, in his flash interview, and he said that uh, all of the veterans have, uh, have uh, you know, helped him quite a lot, that Morata behaved like a, a father to him in, in the last few days uh, during the, you know, the, the, the earlier uh, training sessions and so on. And I think that he was uh, pretty okay during the second half, uh, nothing really fancy, but... Uh, just trying to get into the flow of what Luis de la Fuente is expecting from this from this squad. Remember that back in the day under Luis Enrique, these kind of players uh, who I think uh, Jeremy Pino embodied quite well because it was this kind of profile, very small, young, quick, uh, electric uh, player with with uh, the ability to score. You know, uh, the ability to play in in either one of the three, uh, both flanks and the and the center of the attacking front. You know, the, these players often are going to perform well with uh, the kind of play style that the Spanish national side wants to push forward. Under Luis Enrique, maybe it was a bit more, even a bit more exaggerated, like super offensive most of the time, pressing very high and so on. With Luis de la Fuente, I think that uh, the team has become a bit more balanced, especially at the back, trying to always keep a clean sheet. And, you know, the additions of, uh, you know, Lenormand, uh, Laporte once again in top form, Balde the other day against um, against uh, Scotland, Carvajal. You know, I think that the the top priority has become to to be really strong, both at the back and the midfield with, with Rodri acting as the, you know, balancing stone for the whole side. And to give a bit more freedom to these players, like, um, you know, uh, Ferran, when, whenever he plays, uh, he started against Scotland, he didn't start today. Brian Zaragoza, as you said earlier. And that, in that kind of balance, I think that Spain might become uh, the biggest winner. You know, and this kind of consistency is much more noticeable with, with this team and with Luis de la Fuente than back in the day with Luis Enrique. Mm, interesting stuff. Well, that was uh, Thursday night as Spain took a giant step towards qualification. They sealed the deal in Oslo on Sunday night and we'll talk about that game and a little bit more after the break. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. I'm here with Paco Pollitt discussing Spain's qualification for Euro 2024. Uh, they haven't missed a tournament since 1992, so a really incredible record of qualification campaigns extended in Norway on Sunday night. And it was Gavi, the man, hmm. whose goal was cheered as loudly in Glasgow as it was in Madrid because it was the goal that qualified both Spain and Scotland for the tournament. Level on points, those two nations. Uh, it remains to be seen who finishes top of the group, but that's for that's for November. As it is, Gavi is the youngest ever player to reach five goals for Spain. He's the first one to do it while still a teenager. So another great night for him, uh, scoring the goal and getting a bit of extra rest so the Barca fans can can breathe. Uh, this was a really impressive performance, Paco. As I say, I, I don't think Norway really offered too much. A bit disappointed with them, but a professional job from Spain. Yeah, especially as uh, whenever you have uh, a team in front of you which uh, plays Haaland and in front, it's always going to be a, a, a tough challenge. But overall, uh, Spain's uh, biggest job in, in this game was trying to keep him at bay. And I think in that sense, uh, you can consider it a, a rousing success because uh, Haaland was uh, very uncomfortable throughout the game. You could actually see his his you know body language his his uh, different hand um, waving gestures and everything he he wasn't feeling comfortable on, on the pitch uh, unlike what he often uh, you know uh, what he often leaves every single weekend with his Manchester City teammates but in this case I think that the 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 difference of level and of uh, overall ability and and skill between the the Norwegian side and, and Spain was was massive. You know, uh, if you leave Haaland aside and maybe Odegaard aside, uh, we're talking about two uh, big players when Spain has eight, nine, ten very big players also in the squad. So the difference was there from the get-go. And I think that the, the, the game was a bit tricky also for Spain, not as tricky as the one against uh, Scotland, but, you know, there was a, a game-changing play very, very early. I believe it was in the 15th or 20th minute when the hunger for scoring uh, backfired against uh, Morata, who scored, you know, in some sort of weird deflection on a, on a defender. Uh, the ball was, uh, you know, sliding into the... Into the uh, Norway's goal and, and Morata just went in to tap it in and you know secure one more goal in, in his in his count and uh, that tapping was what ultimately meant that the goal was disallowed for an offside possession so um, it became quickly very vi massively viral in, in social media with Spanish fans you know uh, yelling at Morata and, and <laughs> ranting at his uh, Maybe selfishness, you could say, 
But I think that ultimately uh, number nine has always to chase that kind of uh, loose balls and, and take the advantage. And if they can score, obviously do it. So uh, I wouldn't take so much uh, of the blame into the player. And, and, you know, it was a simple matter of bad luck. But it's true that Morata spent like half of his, t of his game throughout uh, in offside position. I would say that he's always plays so, so at the limit uh, of the offside line that, uh, you know, he spends mm, plenty of time throughout the game in in that spot. And um, sometimes it, it really works for the team because it uh, forces the opposition to have uh, at least two players on top of him, marking him, being very close to his his positions and, and, and whereabouts. But others, uh, and in this case, it, it worked against him. Uh, it desperates um, the fan base, some of his teammates who cannot really, you know, pass deep the ball into into the space because uh, it's going to always be called a, an offside. So it wasn't really the best game for, for Morata, but um, ultimately it didn't matter because in the second half, even though he was once again in uh, nearby vicinity of the <laughs> of uh, ultimately Gabi's goal, uh, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't ruin Gabi's <laughs> Gabi's goal in this case. Um, but yeah, Spain deserved to to score. It, it took a long time. Um, it had to be Gabi, who was uh, very rowdy during the second half. You know, in these kind of games, when when Spain are in a tight spot, when the you know the scoreline doesn't move, uh, Gabi surely fi finds himself at home. You know, and he went down into the mud, you know, he, he spent his, uh, you know, most of his plays battling uh, Norway's midfield, you know, fighting for every ball, trying to get into attacking positions and ultimately, you know, scoring the, the winning goal for Spain. And yeah, ultimately one of the uh, headlines I did see only a few minutes ago was that uh, Gabi's goal wasn't just celebrated in you know most of Spanish territory. It was also celebrated by Real Madrid fans, which is uh, way to mm. go. As uh, everyone knows that Real Madrid uh, fans and Madridistas don't really like Gabi and appreciate him as a, as a player. But yeah, uh, Spain won. It was a, a tough win to achieve, especially as... Uh, they did it away from home. Um, but yeah, not very impressed with Norway's showcase and quite disappointed about, you know, Erling Haaland, which uh, played to the best of his capabilities, but he didn't really have those many chances. I remember one when he got the ball, uh, I believe, in the midfield and began running on his own against three, four Spanish defenders. And he was this close to, to finish the play, but ultimately it got deflected by the defense. But that would mostly be his highlight reel, a very, very short one tonight. It was indeed. Uh, yeah, Morata, gonna Morata. Uh, you said in the group chat the, uh, the Morata hate train had left the station, but I said actually... Uh, it was delayed because he was still offside. Still offside, yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah. The, the first one is is just kind of a bit dopey from him, isn't it? He's he must have known that, uh, or maybe he balls. didn't. You know, because well, I, ultimately, maybe. I understand number nines. That was one of the I would say the Cristiano Ronaldo syndrome. You know, of always trying to get the tap in because that's what they do. You know, you can't be called a proper number nine if you don't always try to get the goal to be in your score sheet, you know. And mm. I think that whenever we see this, we always talk about the bloopers and, you know, the biggest, the big mistake done by this or that player. But imagine that this ball was trickling into the goal. Morata didn't follow up. And suddenly a Norwegian defender appears from the, 
from from yeah. nowhere and and saves the goal. And people would, do, would criticize yeah. would criticize Morata for not giving his hundred percent and trying to go to tap it in. So ultimately, he did what it had to be done. It was unfortunate, but luckily for everyone, you know, it ended everything ended up uh, well at the end. Yeah, he had another chance to score uh, in the second half. He had a good run into the box and then chipped it, and it was just cleared off the line by the Norwegian defender. Um, yeah, I do want to talk about the the Gavi goal again because it was a kind of pinball moment for a few seconds, lots of, of rebounds and ricochets. But that took a long time to be fully checked and awarded as yeah. well because initially we thought Morata might have been offside, as we say. Ferran Torres takes a shot, it cannons off Morata, bounces back, and then Gavi has a couple of stabs at it and eventually puts it in. But yeah, it seemed to be that Morata was the one that was off with yeah. potentially a Norwegian defender playing him on. But then that would have been a much quicker check, you would have imagined. So we're wondering whether uh, uh, Gavi was also in the goalkeeper's eye line for one of the, the earlier shots too. And and that's, uh, again, when you think about some of the goals that have been awarded or not in the yeah. last few weeks, you think of Morata's two against Feyenoord. It's, it's starting to become pretty confusing what offside is anymore. Yeah, I think that it's so subjective especially the issue that you talked about earlier about uh, players interfering on the on the goalie's uh, line of sight it's so up to the single individual who has to take the decision you know mm. it's up to the single referee in every single game and the decision making process is going to be absolutely different from one game to the next and that's why people are confused and in this case you actually had to two exactly identical plays in the same play because the first one was as you said Gabi being like one meter away from the goalie in the first uh, shot on target and later in Gabi's ultimate finish um, Morata was like two meters away from the goalie too but both of them in both cases they weren't interfering with the line of sight and mm. in ultimately this is the you know if you if you go by the book in this kind of plays you have to allow the goal. I totally understand why they had their doubts and why they had to, you know, check and recheck up to a hundred times the the goal in the in the TV screens. But yeah, as you said, I think it was six minutes of of game stoppage while they were, you know, just uh, checking out and and becoming hundred uh, uh, percent positive that they were taking the the correct call. So. Um, I actually appreciate the fact that they take their time whenever they take the proper and correct decision. What I can't yeah. understand is things that have happened uh, in the last few weeks in La Liga when players or or specific calls uh, take their time and five, six, seven minutes of, of, of the game being stopped. And ultimately, they 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 get the wrong choice and the, and the wrong call. That's why what can I can't understand, especially if they have all their single technology tools at their own toolbox. You know, they have the lines, they have the all of the different shots, like up to 10, 12 different uh, camera angles. They have everything. So just take their time, but take the proper call. Don't mess it up and get everyone angry. Indeed. Yes, we're just hoping for a little bit more consistency and, and understanding of exactly what, what is what with the rules. Uh, so yes, Spain win in Norway to seal their passage to Germany next year. Alfonso Pedraza also made his international debut in this game as well, making it four 
in the last couple of games for Luis de la Fuente's side. We do know the regular six that he likes to go with, of course, it's Unai Simon, uh, Lenormand, Laporte, Rodri, Gavi and Morata. They seem to be the absolute spine of this yeah. Luis de la Fuente team. And then it's it's kind of four or five positions around around them to start, which seem to interchange a little bit. But Paco, at this stage, obviously a year to go, but do you think Spain will be in contention in Germany? I think that uh, for the you know seriousness and consistency being shown in the last few games under Luis de la Fuente, I think Spain should be definitely in the mix. I don't know if we should call ourselves favorites, especially as whenever that happens, uh, things tend to go south most of the time. But but yeah, I think that in that group of you know four, five, six national sides being uh, top contenders for the for the Euro 2024, Spain should definitely be in the mix because mm, at this point, as you said, more or less the biggest roles of the team are already filled with very reliable individuals. As you said, Unai Simon being uh, De La Fuente's uh, goalie, uh, the the Spanish-French or French-Spanish uh, <laughs> duets of, of central back of center backs are very reliable, very strong. Uh, I think that their game tonight against Haaland was was an absolute masterclass in, in defending. Um, Rodri, who should definitely be a candidate for Ballon d'Or this season, I think, because he has won everything with, with Manchester City and, and he has been delivering uh, absolute 10 out of 10 performances with Spain very, very consistently. Gabi, uh, who is possibly the, you know, the kind of rowdy, unexpected, f uh, feisty, uh, very f fired up individual in every single game and who, who doesn't really give a, a ball for, for lost and, and also he has the ability to score. And yeah, as you said, Morata, f in Spanish, we, we often say, uh, there's a saying that... Rol opuesto por descarte, no? O nueve por descarte. Like Morata is Spain's number nine because there really isn't any other serious competition to his role. You can argue that José Lu is also there. Back in the day, you could argue that Borja Iglesias was also there, but he obviously isn't in the mix uh, as he, uh, you know, gave up on the national team as long as the whole issues with the uh, women's um, team isn't aren't resolved. But uh, there are so little um, the, the number of, of players who can who can perform at a, at a high level as an, a Spain's number nine is so so little at this point that I totally understand what De La Fuente is, is doing, even though he knows quite a few other alternatives as we have seen that for example Abel Ruiz who was the captain on the under 21s and he was uh, a very you know uh, trusty ally for for De La Fuente during his his stint as the under 21s uh, manager but at this point Morata is the only one who can really play there with Joselu as the backup and that can be an advantage but also can be a disadvantage as we as we have seen in in past competitions or the past world cup when Spain uh, you know ultimately met their demise because they didn't have the proper alternatives in front in order to finish all of the plays and all of the chances that they generated. So as long as we don't find Spain producing another uh, top quality number nine, 
uh, even for Morata haters and for people who are, you know, uh, firmly uh, on top of that uh, Morata hate train, uh, they will have to, you know, um, uh, just give it up and, and try to support Morata and his teammates as much as they can. Indeed. Well, a very successful international break for Spain as they seal qualification for the Euros. Rory and Roman will be back in uh, in midweek to preview match day 10 in La Liga as a couple of new coaches face their first matches. Um, but in order to hear that, listeners, you will have to subscribe and upgrade. Yeah. Paco, why should they do that? They should do that because, first of all, it's the correct thing to do. You know, your your psychology is telling you at this point that you should upgrade. You should upgrade. You, listen to my boss. You should upgrade. Upgrade your Substack. It's an absolute steal at this point, a fiver a month. You know, what, what, what more can you ask about? You know, you have the midweek podcast. You have the all of the special reports being um, written up by our staff. You have the best content, the best quality content that you can find anywhere. So what are you thinking about? Just subscribe and upgrade to our Substack premium level. What Paco said. Thank you very much for your thoughts. As ever, Paco, enjoy your week. And then La Liga is, is back. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in and listening. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Adios. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 